guy sitting in front of me has is responsible for selling 2.7 million porn films. He's the director of the biggest online sex toy retailer in the world, Bobsy Godwin. Bob, welcome to the <laughs> studio, mate. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. We had a chain of companies in the UK with my stepfather and it was losing money. I said, let's get into adult products. When I got underneath the skin of um, working with adult stars, you see how removed the actual performances are from real life. Always go for a stroll up the adult aisle. Never really stop, yep. but definitely be walking up and looking and like, you know what I mean? Like up and down. See if you can see a nipple or Exactly. Wild Weekend kit, that's our biggest selling kit. Beginner friendly. Holy shit, look at those anal beads. Great <laughs> <laughs> Butt Radio, coming through on your wireless. <laughs> Daniel Allen, kick it in the guts, mate. Well, we are lucky enough to be back in the studio today for another fantastic episode of Trademark Radio. And today, as usual, we have a very bloody special guest. Now, the guy sitting in front of me has, is responsible for selling 2.7 million porn films in Australia. Staggering amount. Think about that for a second. He's a filthy, dirty Chelsea fan. <laughs> He's the director of the biggest online sex toy retailer in the world, and I'm Titling this podcast, Fifty Shades of Bobsy Godwin. Bob, welcome to the <laughs> studio, mate. Oh, thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. Mate, um, yeah, so a bit of background. We were supposed to, we w- would have met at the Retail Global event that was supposed to be on the Gold Coast, well, when this comes out, about a month ago, um, and we accidentally got COVID the one week um, that it coincided with Retail Global, so it got shit canned, unfortunately, but um, shout out to Ashley Hudson for the intro. So we could make this happen today because it's going to be a very interesting conversation. One that um, I think is going to, yeah, create some great conversations amongst our community. For a bit of context, I've got to set this up because since ever we've done this podcast or even in the lifespan of this business, Ed has always been wanting, you know, passionately to talk about sex and porn and sexual health and this kind of stuff. He's like, it's a massive time. And I know you're reading a book at the moment, which we'll probably dive into as well, but this is the kind of conversation that we have been wanting to set up for some time because... Well, it's the conversation we've been having. Yeah. yeah, And it's the one that we should have been having with our community and it's good to be able to have it today because, because it's, 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 it's something that we're all, <laughs> we're all doing, so we've yeah. got to talk about it. Uh, people ask me what, what I do for a living and any tips, any, any, anything you can suggest. And the key thing I say is not toys, not anything you can add. It's about communication. And communication is it. To, to start that communication, to talk to your partner, to talk to your potential boyfriend, girlfriend, anything in between. It's all about communication. Yeah, yeah. And, that's, and it's great to be out here talking yeah. all things with, uh, with you guys. A- absolutely. Communication in relationships is one of those things. I mean, I don't claim to be the best communicator in my relationship. In few fact, blokes do. Few I would blokes say. do. In fact, yeah, I think it's that one thing that we're always, you know, we're always held to account for is that we could always be doing it better because no matter what you do, it's kind of never, never seems to be totally right or enough, right? So it's an ever-evolving practice, but something that you only get good at by practicing, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, communicate, educate, inspire. Really. But when it comes to communication around, I mean, we'll probably we'll dive in and find a little bit more about your background. When it comes to communication around things like sex and everything around that topic, it's been it's it's almost been a bit taboo or like not or like a bit yuck or something like people have never known how to like approach it you know and, and if you know well, it's the talk- same thing with mental health as a whole and if yeah. you talk- I, would, I would put them that that 
pretty much well where mental health was probably five ten years ago is probably yeah where the the sex chat sort of probably is now you know what i mean they're not too far apart in my opinion and people aren't having these conversations. Totally, hundred percent agree. I think the only one of the only few positives of COVID has been it's brought forward the industry five or six years because people have been forced to communicate. Not necessarily the best environment to start the, the conversation, but because they have started it and they go, okay, well let let's experiment. Let's try something which, which you want to do or you want to do. Yeah, and that that has been the start of the process. Absolutely. So we're sitting in front of you now, and you're in your role as a director of you know the world's biggest online sex toy retailer. Uh, but you don't just fall into a job like that. I'm sure there's a whole series of events over a couple of decades that kind of lead you to be an expert in that field. So, you know. Take us back to sort of how you got into the is what do you call it the sex game like the uh, the adult adult entertainment adult, industry adult, adult industry yeah um you go back to two thousand I was in London working in advertising being a bit of a being a bit of a London lad uh, like my my adult films like my adult toys and uh, best mate moved to Australia and uh, it's like you've got to come it's beautiful Sydney's great full of nice ladies beer and sport. Okay. Warm weather, so I flew out three days. Before Sounds the, shit. <laughs> from 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 the London winter, I was like, okay, time for a change. So, and I led a little bit of a head, hedonistic life in in London, earning a lot of money, partying hard. And I was like, I've got to do more with, with my life. So, jumped on a plane, landed here three days before the British Lions uh, test, the last test in two thousand one. My girlfriend at the time was like, why is everyone wearing red on the plane? I was like, don't know, don't know. Only going through international... Oh, you didn't realise? No, I did. She oh, did. yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. I got, got into uh, customs and uh, they were like, um, yeah, we're here for a rugby game. And uh, that relationship didn't last too long after that. So um, stayed here, loved it. And um, then moved to the Sundays to carry on my sailing uh, hobby and met my ex-wife up there. And she had to um, get a job for her visa. So uh, she was an engineer and worked for Foster's, or CUB, Carlton Night and Breweries in Melbourne. And she said, well, if you come on my visa, you can do whatever you want. I said, jokingly, I'm going to get into porn. And she went, yeah, yeah, yeah. as you do over dinner. So <laughs> I, um, I wrote to the biggest porn company and um, they said, yeah, we should give you a job. So you just that was a throwaway line. You're just like, I'm going to get into porn like semi-seriously was it a joke um we I'd, we had a chain of companies in the uk with my stepfather and it was losing money and i said let's get into adult products high margin low turnover perfect for we had 30 stores of stationery pretty boring stuff mm. adult films toys cool mm. let's do that and he was like no nah. So what? Who who's the biggest porn company at the time? Who was it? At the time, there's a company called Calvista in Melbourne, and they were the biggest um, license company that that took films from around the world, made them under Australian regulations to Canberra. So we were bigger than like Universal or Fox Studios in releasing films. So you did about fifty films a month, and that's the biggest company in Australia that was making legal. Adult films. Okay. Yeah. yeah so right um, became a account director for them, then became head of marketing and licensing. And my job really was to travel the world, um, finding porn stars and signing them up and releasing their films in Australia. So we had Private, Evil Empire, Jenna Jameson, 
Belladonna, oh, you wow. name it. We we had the who's who of adult uh, films. Yeah, wow. We released yeah about fifty a month, and uh, that was at the the VHS versus <laughs> DVD days. So everyone's buying everything. So you do a new release, you sell a thousand in a day. Wow, so, um, hard copy. How, how was it? How was it being? Dist- I suppose it was through sex stores back then, wasn't it? Was that how it was distributed? Yeah, it was. It's still actually illegal. Um, you can you can sell it from Canberra um, to the end consumer, but if you sell it to a store who then sells it to the same consumer, it's technically illegal uh, because of the state versus federal laws. So we always had to have a warehouse in Canberra to distribute the adult films to the stores, which was legal. Or to the consumer, but you can never send it from a store. So it depends on which right. state you're in. It was really confusing, um, <laughs> yeah. and that's why, as a company, we, we, we did very well in because you we had the legal entity to do that. So we we, we I went from licensing, going traveling the world, meeting porn stars, um, bring them down to Australia uh, to do things like sexpo tours, uh, press, etc. When porn stars were big then. And, um, yeah, I had 12 people edit and watch films for me. So my first day at Calvista, they said, here you go, here's your first adult film to watch, go home. And I'm like, this is a job. Like, I'm getting paid to watch an adult film. It was a bit tricky when I was sleeping on my mate's couch at the time, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm coming home. You're watching and, it together? <laughs> absolutely. His, his girlfriend wasn't too happy. Um and then, um, yeah, that, then uh, it became so much that I had to actually employ 12 people to watch films for me and give us a crib sheet of they do this, this, this and this. So, yeah, so just talk me through that. So what are they actually doing? Why are they watching it to, uh, like, unpack the scenes, unpack the yeah, like, the what reg- happens when? The regulations are pretty strict uh, in terms of you can't have any forced bondage, you can't have any imprints of if you slap someone in the arse, you can't be intimidating through voice. So that was whilst in America and Europe were very okay here. You can so you had to write down edit notes and then get editors to cut those seg- segments out of the film. Okay, yeah, so yeah. people would watch it and they'd make sure that it was all above board yeah. in terms of the regulations and if anything wasn't, it would get edited out. Yeah. Okay, righto. Yeah, because that's one of the, um, the things I was watching last night. It was a TED Talk. I can't remember what her name was. And I was saying to the girls up before we had this... Um, had our meeting this morning, and it was uh, the lady that was talking. This TED talk was talking. It mu- it must have been like European and American sex films, and it was sort of out of the. I think it was the hundred and fifty or two hundred most purchased films. You know, a couple of years ago, they um, broke it all down into you know however many scenes it was, and out of all of those scenes, like, it was a staggering how high the percentage of of what was like physical aggression or like verbal aggression. And it was like in- incredible the impact that was having on the people that were watching it compared to, you know, stuff that, you know, is obviously, it might be different in Australia, but what that does to those people that are watching it and how much it fucks with their head in regards to like, this is what's normal. Oh, absolutely. And, and my boy, my 15-year-old Jack G, he's in, in the room here with us. And it's about, and my, my younger son, who's 11, um, about educating them. You know, if they see this material, this is not real life. And when I got underneath the skin of um, working with adult stars, you see how removed 
actual performances are from real life. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, yeah. And, and you see a lot of um, stress and, and just life stress on them from them having to pretend this is what real life is. And it's pleasurable. Yeah, and it's completely not. <laughs> yeah, I know, and that's like what I, I think, and that's why it's well, yeah. You they pretend it's pleasurable. No, no, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's the like the, the the stuff that I've been reading recently is, um, and it's really awesome to hear that like you're having these conversations because what I've been reading is like fathers aren't having these conversations. It's uh, they are not do, they are not talking to their sons about this shit. Uh, as we said at the beginning, uh, communication, yeah, education, inspire. It's exactly those three pillars really because. If you don't show them, give them a guidance. Like that's why today when Jack G come here to, to be with some bloody heroes and you guys and what <laughs> you're doing, being traded, etc. Because he's gonna be a great tradie when he's older. But it's about inspiring and stuff. And this is just so wrong. It's just it is not the reality. When so like Belladonna is a great example. She's famous for being one of the out there porn stars in the world. Beautiful person. She's called Michelle. She came from a Mormon bishop background so her dad was right up in the mormon community and that environment of imposed religion pushed her away and so just at 18 she became a porn star 19 she did her first gangbang blah blah and she became this kind of celeb cause within the porn industry and i've got to know her over the last 15 years and she's so far removed from that now she's a kindergarten teacher now she looks up. Now she goes in and does reading with kids with problem reading and stuff. But her journey was completely not the reality. Whereas people used to come up to her going, "Oh, we, you must love doing X, Y, and Z." Yeah, it couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah, and that's and that's the other thing that I've been reading too. It's like the 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 impact that's having on young men and what they they think the journey is for these relationships, as it's like. The expectation, like, there was one guy that was interviewed and he was sort of saying, like, I was expecting, like, all women were just begging for it. You know what I mean? He's like, that's what was my expectation. Just all the time. All the time. <laughs> and it's just a matter of fucking going and making it happen. And it's like, and that's And that's whoa. like today's conversation about consent. Yeah. And about, and about respect for women. And, and I'm not going to get political, but the obtuse relationship of Canberra at the moment is, like, get a grip, politicians. Get a grip of reality. Yeah. Just start being humans yeah. rather than what you should or you think you should be saying. Consent and communication, you have to start that. So when I have a chat with the boys, it's about respect for if they're going to um, a male-female partnership or a male-male partnership, respect for the other person. Ask them, talk to them. They're not, it's not going to be like an adult film where, bang, <laughs> Someone so, just rocks up with a pizza at the front door. Yeah, and I could tell you, 90, 90%, <laughs> of that. It, 90% it would be uh, blowjob, doggy style, uh, anal, come yep. Yeah, Nine, 90% of the film. Oh, no, yeah, and that's the other thing they were talking about. Like, that was the progression, and it's just like, fucking so no one's watching, doing this. If you're watching that 90% of the time, you'll think that's reality. Completely and, not. And it has, a, and I, I think, you know, like, I, yeah, very openly, I haven't watched porn in probably four and a half years just fucking cut it out of my life. Like I, I was like, we used to watch it a lot when I was a tradie, like lots. And my wife is like Christian, totally against it. And I respected that. And I gave it away and fuck, it has done numbers for our relationship, you know, not just the trust, but also like me not expecting that like, this is what sexual reality is. You know what I mean? And 
I think that it adds a lot of strain to relationships. People that are like, if the if the husband's watching it, the wife doesn't know, and like it's adding that sexual tension to the bedroom because he's like expecting that this is the progression of where their sexual relationship's going to go. Like, do you reckon that's a a common type thing out there? Yeah. Um, also, I think the what what blokes or people are getting from watching porn, they're not getting from their relationship, but that is where they can get it from. So yeah, and, but do you think they're trying they to incorporate it back into it and not well, getting it, and that's causing frustration? I mean, potentially, but also, you know, maybe there's just this balancing out where it's like, right, I will. I know this is not how it is in my relationship, but I just want a quick fix or whatever, like, and you know, and a, and a bit of entertainment or whatever. This is the path I'm going to go down, and I know that I can just, it's there, and I can do it. Um, so yeah, yeah, it is just, interesting. I don't think everyone, <laughs> like, yeah, like let's just lay it out. I don't think everyone wants to have their partner covered in semen right <laughs> no, that's no. not a good like that's like not a an attractive thing to me right is it no but it's interesting that that is what's portrayed exactly like yeah. that's what they're selling you yeah you know what i mean i think uh a lot of my friends you know we used to travel around with sexpo when we progressed from licensing films into running sexpo here in south africa and trying to expand it into to russia and london um I, I my friends were like, oh, this is brilliant, you know, you're with these porn stars all the time, and you're doing shows around the world. You must be up for it all the time. They must be like, and it's com- it's completely not. It's like a busman's holiday. <laughs> Last thing you want to do when you're a porn star is have sex. And um, never once did I ever sleep with an adult star ever when I was married at all. But it um, to be brutally honest, it desensitized me completely, and that was probably one of the major aspects. In that and a breakdown of communication, why my first marriage failed because I was just so it became just like this excited, yeah. It was just this that's what happens, yeah. And it, it had to come away from that life to actually refocus on me and refocus on what my brand, what my attributes are, and what I want to see in a, in a person. And I think that whole environment definitely had a, a, a poor effect on my communication skills with my ex wife. and probably led a big factor to, to our divorce. Divorce, yeah. I feel like a lot of people would actually benefit from seeing a, a complete behind-the-scenes production of what actually goes into making porn. Because but that's anyone, not sexy. No, 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 no not, in, not in terms of getting any, any kind of you know thrill out of it, more in terms of seeing how it's actually put together. The logistics of like, cut, no, stop, do this, you're not doing that right, make more of these noises. Like they can see, People can see how manufactured it actually is. You know, if like, but is that what they want? That like the, the people that are producing this stuff, they don't want to portray that. No, right? exactly right. But what I'm saying is like people could benefit well, you know, a lot from actually seeing how it goes together and they would realise how, yeah. how sort of manufactured it actually is. It's like any video production, you know, everything that goes on behind the scenes to, to get that yeah. finished product. You don't ever see what goes on behind the scenes to get that done. We won uh, the red carpet at the AVN Awards in Vegas one year and one of our studios invited us to the penthouse and I said, come for drinks, we're going to do some filming. And I was like, yeah. And I, that stage, I didn't drink for 12 years because I had severe pancreatitis and almost died. Spent three months in hospital. Um, got good. But I used to travel well, just not drink. You know, I'd be a Red Bull or sparkling water. And uh, I was like, try to avoid the big party because you'd have a lot of drinking, a lot of drugs. And that just wasn't my thing. I was gone down to 50 kilos. You know, from being a hundred kilos, just 
like literally on the on on precipice of death. And I was like, right, I'm gonna be. Uh, going what, to what, ma- what caused you? What got you to being so sick? My uh, ex-wife making beer for a living and me selling porn. Right, so, yeah, it was just well, a just a mix of loving sport. Englishman in Australia. Yeah, England win the Ashes for a change. <laughs> Getting stuck into it for a living, yes. you know, and and yeah, our, yeah. our engagement party, we gave away you'll win your height in beer and porn. Yeah, wow. Well. And um, the smallest girl in the room won it, and uh, it, it's so going to the, going to shows and 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 one of these events, we were in the suite, and um, they said oh, we're going to do a quick three girl uh, action, and uh, an hour later, I'm so okay, what's going on? Are they still preparing? And that's you don't see that. You don't. You don't but that's hear what that. I'm talking about. Like that's the bit. I mean, well, like you say, you see the pizza delivery guy rock up to the door. You know what I mean? You don't see them saying, "No, cut, go back." You like walk better. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. when you're not. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you don't see any of that stuff, and then you would understand how manufactured it actually is. So, and as soon as it was cut, finished, literally the three girls just went jump. Yeah, away from each other. There's yeah. no chemistry. There's no intimacy or no no as you would do with a loving partner mm. you know embrace each other afterwards and it was only six months later when um this came out and I, you could see me in the background of dicky bow and my wife was like that's you i'm like no it's no it's not me and she went no pause the dvd that's you and i'm like okay yes i have a red bull can in my hand and i'm watching and that again why are you watching a porno live and i'm like I was invited and I was, there. I was there. Yeah. And it was crap. It was boring. So you have seen, see, so you came over here too early, to, well, 2000, 2001. Um, and at the time you're selling VHS, you make, like you're making and selling VHS. Or you're not actually producing and making them, you're just distributing them, right? Yeah. Okay. Australian, New Zealand yep. licensing. So you're distributing VHS and then that would have sort of morphed into more DVD around what? 2004, five, yep. like that happened pretty quickly there. Yeah, Blu ray came along. Yeah, and, and, and that was here for about and six and months. And then Blu ray. Yeah. Mini disc players, whatever. Um, but you've seen, you would have seen very significantly in that time the evolution of porn from VHS, DVD. You've got to go into the shop to buy it. You know, there probably wasn't too much ordering online, but there would have been some. And then all of a sudden, bang, it's fucking free everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere you look, LimeWire, anything you click on the wrong link, you yeah. got porn. Like, oh yeah, that's right, LimeWire. Do you know? Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, so you yeah, would have yeah. seen this evolution where people have to willingly go out and exchange their hard-earned money for this stuff yeah. to the point where now it's so readily available and free, and the conscious decision for someone to part with their money to watch porn is is morphed into yeah. it's just so readily available, and oh, you don't have to think about it. Yeah, I think I think during my time running Sexpo, you saw that because people used to come to Sexpo in every state once a year to stock up, to stock up. So you come and buy the DVDs and buy the the, the, the vibrators for the year, and that'd be it. They have a bit of entertainment, and we actually saw that and managed to migrate that show into being more couples and female orientated to being more entertainment rather than retail, and it became a bit of a just a, a cheap selling environment so we try to push that show but that's when when we moved from melbourne to to brizzy i ran the international side of sexpo and that's when i realized okay that's now dying because 
why would you go into a retail store in Brizzy or in Melbourne or in Sydney when this online proliferation is coming? Oh. The, the buying environments, you don't have to go up to a salesperson and, and start. Like all of these, please. <laughs> yeah. Like you take away that, yeah, that whole interaction of like, you know, it's oh. not it's not the vulnerability, the awkwardness, the fucking oh god, like and, and yeah, you, no, I am buying this. It's just like online, bang, 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 deliver it in a black box. Thank you very you're much. You're not exposing your fetishes to the to the people at the checkout. Absolutely, you're not the yeah. guy going out buying a whole heap of gay porn that no one knew about or any of that sort of stuff. It's all just online, right? Robo, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, oh, you into that? No, it's not for me. It's someone else. It's for a friend. Yeah, yeah. Um, but a very it's, close it's, friend. <laughs> very, very close friend. <laughs> but but it's. It was that situation where you just seen this just massive shift, as we've seen during it might, COVID. It tidal wave fucking quickness. I was, like, it, you know, it, it, yeah. it was that period of time has been the biggest change yeah. technologically and, you know, yeah. the way we do things. So that, at that time, I was out in LA and uh, a mutual friend who came to our wedding um, in who made toys, and that's quite a mad story, actually. Uh, we've got time. <laughs> we got um, we've got time and microphones. So uh, I got married in Santorini. Um, oh, top spot. Rang my mate who's doing the sexpo after parties, and he was doing the swingers after parties. And I said we should meet up. And he's like, um, so I'm going to Greece for the summer. I'll see you in October. And I was like, well, the show's November. We should meet before that. I said oh, I'm going to. Santorini. He said, that's where I'm going to be. I was like, get out of here. And he's like, um, my sister runs a wedding. I'll do that for the summer. I'm like, okay. Um, I'll have a chat with the wife and, and we'll maybe meet up. So, and we were going there to prep the wedding for the next year in Santorini. So go and see what it's like. So um, literally a week later, we said, right, we're going to get married this year. Two months time in Santorini because he had the contacts. So uh, yeah, jumped over there. Um, much to the dismay of her family, um, you can't get back so soon. Blah blah blah. Anyway, so had my mates from London, uh, a few dodgy Chelsea, Man United fans, all her family from Middlesbrough, um, two ex porn stars, the, the the world's biggest lubricant manufacturer from Germany called Pure, with Mad Bavarian with a big pencil moustache <laughs> called Alexander. Uh, and one of the biggest toy manufacturers in the world from LA. And so, yeah, like my Chelsea mates and my Chelsea London family and the porn stars, and then my mum, who's a very drunk Scots woman, and then you had my very nice, my ex-wife's family. And uh, I wasn't drinking, and so I bought everyone verve for the wedding, and the ex-mother-in-law was like, why are you wasting all your money on, uh, on verve? I'm like... Why can't you have Greek champagne? I'm like, well, if you're actually saying Greek champagne, you know why you're not going to buy it. So I was like, nap, not uh, I'll spend my money on my wedding how I see fit. And she muttered something. And my mum just piped in. She wasn't, he wasn't like that when he, until he met your daughter. And that was it. Oh, no. This is three days before the wedding. Fuck. So you, had, you literally had one side of the family drinking eating separately and the other side of the family with the porn stars with the toy manufacturers and they only came together at uh, the wedding and uh, on, on opposite sides of the chapel I assume yeah, it was a chapel yeah, right? on, on, top anyway. the, on top of the mountain overlooking <laughs> yeah. the volcano oh yeah. mate that is an absolute shocker yeah and so we had and the mother-in-law placed everyone 
So all the porn oh. people were on one table. And it was like, oh. But anyway, that that's, in hindsight, it was a funny situation, but uh, it did uh, highlight some uh, differences oh. between the yeah, families. Yeah, because that's, that's, it adds so much strain when you can't, when the, when the, fa- like the, the marriage, like, yeah, that's, that's obviously got to be rock solid, but if you don't also have both families that can sort of rock up and have a feed and a drink and be amicable, it adds a lot of strain. Oh, and so also, you never you never forget a comment like that either. Oh, and it's stupid. <laughs> never, <laughs> never. And my mum still it, reminds me. Remember that time I stood up for you? I'm like, yes, mum. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah. thanks. Oh, mom. so it was. So there was a, sort of a, a a a bit of truth in it. Oh, there, there was a bit of an undercut from my mum, and there was a bit of a jab coming yeah. back from the mother-in-law. So they'd never seen eye to eye yeah, before, okay. and it was just there. But it was, I think, at that time, straight after wedding, so the honeymoon, I went to a trade show. In Germany, so from I flew from Greece to Germany with our lubricant manufacturer, and uh, I met the boys from Love Honey, and um, they were like, and we were. Were friends. they only just launching? They must have just seen. Early they on, were. Um, they were about four years into it. Okay. But they were going for licenses around the world. Okay. Um, and they were, they were you know, then about ten out of twenty eight million. They had about twenty staff. Now we've got four hundred and forty staff globally, and three warehouses in. Atlanta, Brisbane, and Bath in the UK. So the the toy manufacturing producer said, look, if you ever do anything in Australia, do it with Bobsy. If you want to do anything in the UK, do it with them. And so they rang me um, out of the blue and said, um, let's do something. So we did some of their products at Sexpo, um, which went down really well. And then um, they rang me up and said, um, we've got a license. Your licensing background, do you want to give us a hand? And I was like... What is it? So I can't tell you. I might have, how can I help you? you know, well, it's a good book. And obviously thought 50 shows and we won the license globally. Yeah, well. Met E.L. James and uh, then we launched the first range over here. And uh, at that stage it was purely distribution of her products. And then after uh, a few months I said, boys, turn on the website. You've got to turn on your website because here everyone's website's pretty average. So as you were saying about the whole change of marketplace, it was moving to a uh, an online presence. I knew their website was, was pretty sound in comparison. Like, for example, here, even our biggest competitor, their customer service is only open from 8 to 4, whereas our customer service is 24-7 because we dovetail with the UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your most, shall we say, interactive time with our call centre is between 7 p.m. and 11 p.m. when... You're horny. Everyone's at home. Yeah. So if you're at the weekend and you're horny, you got to wait till Monday morning, 8 o'clock, to talk to someone in customer service. Jeez, there'd be some interesting things that come through on that <laughs> customer service. Jeez, they must have some interesting smoko chats. It has its moments. Oh. Um, <laughs> like we have good customers. Like we have good customer service chats in our in our office. It'd be unbelievable the stuff that had come through on your end. It's, oh, um, man. We, we are always there to educate. We never sell them. So our call center staff don't sell anything. Yep. It's purely taking them on the right journey, customer yep. experience, to get to that right decision. We have over a quarter of a million uh, trust pilot reviews globally and 10,000 for just for Australia, and it will rate at 4.8 as an average. Oh. So 4.8 out of 5 is... That is incredible yeah, for that free, amount of reviews. Amount of reviews yeah. Yeah, f- f- uh, free returns for a year, 30-day um, change of mind policy. Um, you, We gear everything up to the consumer. So I love any like 
all of our staff start late in the warehouse so we can get the last plane out of Brizzy. So you put an order in at 5.30 in Sydney and you'll get it next day. And that's that whole evolution from going to your CD corner store. Hello, Mr. Shop Assistant who doesn't mm. really want to serve me yep. and buy my gay porn or buy yep. my transsexual love doll or my lubricant or whatever. Whatever. I don't care what you buy as long as you buy it from our website. Mm. But when you're going into those environments, and that's when we came to that evolution in the retail space in Australia, where we're trying to encourage stores to change their shopping environment, and it never happened. We're just lazy retailers. Well, I remember when you remember back in the good old days of video stores, which was in that same period of blockbuster in this evolution. But I remember as a kid, like going in, you know, Friday night or whatever, we'd go in the video store, you know, having a mate over, you know, we're going like, to go up and get some. Always go for a stroll up the adult aisle. Never really stop, yeah. but definitely be walking up and looking and like, you know what I mean? Like up and down. See if you can see a nipple or something. Exactly. But you wouldn't yeah. be caught dead in there. You wouldn't be caught dead like picking one off the shelf and reading, <laughs> reading, the, blurb. reading the blurb. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, but so that... And I just, I'm trying to think like there's that, just that curiosity for me personally, and I'm sure, you know, millions of other blokes that knowing that that stuff exists as a young, you know, a young bloke, knowing that it's somehow naughty or like something, you know what I mean? It's just always, it's just always, it was always there in me at that stage where you'd walk through and you'd be like, you know, you'd see it there, but you wouldn't act on it, but. I'm just trying to think from a young age, like there's always this awareness of porn yeah. that exists. And it's like not so much that, you know, you necessarily want to know exactly what goes on in there, but you just know it's a thing that exists and there must be a reason why. And it's only for people who are 18 years or older. And so did, it must did, be... You did know, your old man or anyone ever talk to you about it? I don't know. Yeah, because I, re- I, I think back and there's n- I never, ever, ever got a chat like i remember i got busted watching it but never the you know the whole conversation about it was just like that's yeah. bad don't do that and you just you but, know but that's the thing is that, it? yeah it's but like, that's the issue because it's like that's bad don't do that but it's like okay and i'm a kid i've got absolutely no idea what's going on here it's bad but what actually is it i think that is where like you're talking to your sons about it it's yeah. like what is that education and what are you saying to them and how you how you like clearly you know distinctly showing them like for a better lack of a better way like right and wrong you know what i mean like this is what's normal and this is and this is what this is it's completely different but it's accessible when you get to a certain age yeah. uh, we do a couple of things um i had a, a kind of double whammy i suppose of my father dying when i was quite young at six of a heart attack playing squash and my mum was only 30 um my little sister only four so i only had very few years of a good father figure um, and also being brought up in a Roman Catholic convent. That's how I got into the adult industry. Wow. <laughs> so it's like, it, uh, it was literally, you're going to burn in hell. And I think that I was a bit rebellious as a kid. So I was like, so this is why I kind of, now the boys come into work. They've been with the business since it was uh, in the spare bedroom when we bought the first small office in West End to the second office to the big warehouse where that was their football pitch for four months where we put in the shelving and stuff. Indoor yeah. soccer. Totally. <laughs> That's how it gets injured. Um, but it's but it is about creating an environment where you can have that communication and you can inspire them to say, 
there is a place for that when you are ready, but only when you feel comfortable and giving them the empowerment to, to for them to go on their their adult journey. But they're still young, and it's to, to show them that equality, even though my wife and I are separated, we have exactly the same parenting policy about respect to women, and those boys are brilliant. And I'm so proud of them for being who they are because they do show respect to women. And if they have boyfriends or if they have girlfriends, do not care. They used to come on equal love rallies before marriage equality was accepted. We helped to create the first political party, the Australian Sex Party. So we had our first <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, you see them every now and then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Fiona Patton. So we yeah, helped okay. fund her to become a member of parliament for the Upper House in Victoria, now called the Reason Party. Fantastic policies. But they were there in the T-shirts back in the 2000s campaigning with us to get marriage equality. So to now I hope that my boys and their friends see same-sex, heterosexual sex equally. They see every sexual orientation as equal. Yeah. But have the respect that once they do start on that journey, then they're comfortable but educated. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a big part though where you talk about the empowering, you know, the empowering piece with everything that you've just spoken about and sort of where where I was going before of like knowing from a young age for some reason that that whatever this was was bad or naughty or not allowed for me at the time. But no, I was never given that conversation. I was never, you know, I never had that conversation. But you've just spoken about not many do. But also to your point, talking about being a bit of a rebellious individual, I mean, (laughs) at times, I mean, we're all a bit like that, right? But for me, I'm like, right, and it's the same conversation with drugs. It's the same conversation with, you know, any other, any other, you know, sort of industry or area that's sort of looked down upon in society. When you're just told, no, that's bad, don't do that. Um, it drives a level of, it's that's like, well, interesting, I want to know yeah, more about I'm, that. I'm going to find out now. Because you know it, I mean? like, I, I just put it back to this, like the most simple things. Like when um, I went to boarding school in grade six and seven, Toowoomba Prep, no lollies. Lollies were banned. So give me uh, all until the lollies. I, until I was like, yeah, until I went there, I don't give a shit about like lollies. Like, if lollies were in the house, yeah, we'd eat them, yeah. but like it wasn't like this big thing. You get there, holy shit, everyone conspiring every night trying to figure out how to get lollies into the into the boarding house. Yeah. That's all we gave a fuck about. Then we left there, went to um, churchy. No, no one cared about lollies again. But it's just like that that in it, yeah. its essence. And I've talked, yeah, I mean, this is a whole other podcast, but like driving to Toowoomba the other day with my wife, I was talking about how like drugs, fuck, let's just legalise all this shit. I was like, none of it. This is just not working. I was like, this is doing my brain in. I was like, it's just ridiculous. I was like, anyone that wants to access it can access it, but people are dying because it's all non-regulated. The only people making any money are some fuckers in Mexico and Colombia who are making an absolute fortune. I was like, why don't we put some money into our infrastructure in Australia and tax this shit? You know what I mean? I was like, they're going to use it anyway, so why don't we clip the ticket? You look at what's happening in Portugal. You look at what happened in California and other states in America. Mm-hmm. Their biggest revenue yeah. now is from the tax. That's I, and it, it like my, and like we were just talking about po- politicians before and how just fucking far removed they are from reality with so much of this stuff. It's just like it's mind-boggling to think that these aren't the conversations that we're having. But it's school, like, why but, aren't we having these they conversations? Need, like they need to be happening at school. And I went to a Catholic all boys school, um, and then would you would that be brought up there? No, it's about putting the condom on the banana. You know what I mean? That's it. That's as far as you go there. Like, there's no like, let's dive into these topics a little bit further. But is it is it because like the taboo thing? I think we'll probably come to a conclusion it's the taboo thing, right? Like, how do we it's, remove that? So what 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 we did to remove that that taboo element is to have people talk to and with and in conjunction with the demographics we're trying to, to to 
communicate to, educate and inspire. And that's when you use people like Chantal Lotton, who's our ambassador. Yeah. Who, as good looking and as sophisticated as I am, they don't want to look at a 40 <laughs> something bold, pommy Chelsea fan talking about sex toys. Really, I can I can take that one on the chin. But having people like Chantal who are educated, they're experts, they're sexologists, they can communicate in a way where people can relate to them. We have a new card game called Reflex, uh, Love Honey, um, the sex game, where it's this card game um, by Flexi Mama, uh, off MTV, off Big Brother, etc. And she's able to talk to her audience, very much a younger Gen Z audience, using card game as a icebreaker. Um, Cam Fraser, our male sexologist from Perth, again, he's awesome because he can actually talk to the male user in a way about, and also to the female, if they're in heterosexual relationships, the female partners about what their male partners are going through. Yeah. So getting the right person to talk to, um, to, to, to talk to the, the audience in a way which they, they want to listen to. And relate. Yeah, and relate. I think the other side is to be as a business absolutely totally steadfast in showing your true attributes and what you want to be as a business and as a person so in our tvc um and we, we we're always on set most nights you'll see a tv advert somewhere in the country on love honey and that's um it's called turn on australia and it's about couples embracing and there is same-sex couples there's interracial couples and there's heterosexual white couples we're not ticking all the boxes, etc. But we wanted to show that everyone is. We want everyone to be a customer of Love Honey, but we are open to everyone. Yeah, and the vast majority um, people embrace that. But it's still sad to see that sometimes we get complaints coming through, going, "How dare you put an interracial couple on? How dare you put on the same <laughs> same same sex?" But I think, I, I think the dinosaurs matter. are going to die out soon. I They're think like, it's the like bloody boomers. Um, I think it's the. I think. It's stuff like that. It's where it's like you've just got to be doing more of it. Totally. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, like, oh, Dan and I often have this conversation about, like, the welcome to country and stuff like that, you know. A lot more people are starting to do that, which is great. But what we need to be doing is, like, the like the Aboriginal war dance that they did before a Wallabies game, right? Was it the Wallabies game yeah. or was it the Australian we, League game? We don't, want a, we don't want a tokenistic welcome to country. We want to actually learn about some culture. Let's, let's use that as an opportunity to learn something about the culture, not just a welcome. Yeah. It's like, it's like that with, with um, do that into schools. Okay, why are we doing a new version of the Australian anthem before? And use that as a tool to go back into schools at that education level to say we're doing this like successfully done in New Zealand with the Maoris to embrace our First Nation culture. Because that's where the divide is happening. Like that, the divide is happening there because there's no like th- there's no coming together of of any one point. It's sort of like this happens, and like you're saying, like an advert comes up of an interracial couple, and people are going, "Ah, oh, what the fuck is this?" So like, how is that still happening? You've got to do more of it. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, righto, just get more of that shit out there. What we don't find though is people the ninety nine point seven percent of the country that do watch the game. That's cool. They're not going to write in going. Yeah, also that's true. Cool. That's great. Yeah. You know, so. You just gotta keep doing the right thing. Yeah, that's an interesting thing you say. That was I saw a. Um, I'm obsessed with TikTok at the moment. I don't know. I love Honey on TikTok. We are, mate. He's he's TikTok. Mate, TikTok is is fucking out of control. Anyway, I was watching a thing. It was um, you know when DMX and um, Prince Philip died last week. There was a guy talking about that, and he's like, you know, everyone's coming out and talking about how 
great they were and the lives they lived and blah, 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 blah. It's like, why aren't we, yeah, whatever. But why aren't we doing this for like mates of ours that are living now? Like, why aren't we talking about fucking mates' businesses or mates' achievements and like just giving them great shout outs while they're fucking alive? (laughs) It's really weird that we don't do that. Great, great story about uh, Prince Philip. Um, So the boys, Rich and Neil, created Love Honey. Uh, from Bath, one was a techie, one used to be a music producer for Carly Minogue and Tons Petty's Diner and stuff. Their mates came together, we should do something with the internet, either embroidery or sex toys. So obviously sex toys won. <laughs> so they, they built it from their spare bedroom and they're really dear friends of ours and that's how we started this in, in Australia at lovehoney.com.au. But they won the 2016 they won the queen's award for international commerce to the commonwealth what basically the top business award you can get from the queen for she gave them that what year was that 2016 that is unbelievable yep so there's Rich why is no one talking about that yep did she know like would she have (laughs) just been that would it have been so they got given this award and they had to go to Buckingham Palace <laughs> to get it. Like, like Lizzie. T- <laughs> oh, yes. Lizzie, today we're turning it into Buckingham Palace. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they were there and they do, the, they get prepped and they get lined up. And you know, Neil's got um, sex pistols, God Save the Queen handkerchief in his pocket. Awesome. The rebellious yeah, yeah, yeah. music type. And, yeah. and, uh, a lot they get lined up to meet the dignitaries, and it's Prince Philip and Princess Anne. And Prince Philip comes up to Rich, and Rich has got a great, very dry sense of humour. And he goes, "And what does one do?" And Rich goes to Prince Philip, "One's in the sexual happiness business." And he doesn't break stride; he carries on. I didn't hear that. Didn't acknowledge it. Just literally. What does one do? Oh, I'm going to start asking that to people myself. <laughs> I love that. So he carries on, and it's a bit of an awkward. And then Princess Anne comes up behind uh, his father and goes, I've heard of your company. Very good. Congratulations. You're based down in Bath. And they go, yes. He goes, yes. Well done. You're doing a great job. Awesome. So, so they that's knew. you yeah, come yeah. different there generations. Yeah, cool. yeah. That's awesome. So we have the big uh, plaque in the head office in Bath and uh, the Crystal Bowl, which the that Lord Lieutenant of Somerset came to the... F- Warehouse to 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 present to the staff. Have you, have you written a book yet, by any chance? <laughs> Are you going to? Is there um, any thought of ever doing that? Yeah, there's I mean, definitely like, enough material there. Well, mate, I haven't spoken about uh, Hugh Heffern's apartment in Vegas or um, when the uh, Milton State School headmaster of Jack and Levi's school found out the mother of the child on secondment from America was actually Belladonna, <laughs> not Michelle, who was the aerial contortionist which i said she was until he saw a billboard of her in brisbane and she was actually belladonna wow and uh, one of the parents recognized her and literally walked into a lamppost during school pickup time <laughs> so uh, jack uh, jack had uh, her daughter miller for a month at school at milton state school and he was he was he was a man i've got this american girlfriend yeah year, year two um <laughs> Going, uh, taking this girl uh, on on exchange, and, wow. and headmaster didn't think anything of it until he saw the billboard <laughs> yeah. on Milton Road. Yeah, funny. <laughs> the perfect placement. You, you must find that just by doing what you do, or even just wearing your t-shirt in and around, you know, your your you know the um, parents and staff of your of your boys' mates and all that sort of stuff. Do you find that these conversations are opening up 
a little bit more with yourself, with other people, because you do what you do? Yeah, um, I think it's part of the personality of who, who I am. You get three types of people. When you tell them what you do, people will either ignore you and do a Prince Philip and keep walking. <laughs> uh, they'll they'll uh, acknowledge you but change the conversation. Uh, or they'll go, really? And then they'll give you what they need, what they do, what they love. Can you do this? I need help with this. The burning and questions. The floodgates open. Yeah, yeah. Um, when I was here at Sexpo, my car was sponsored by the show. And Jack um, was, and his little brother was at a, a church kindergarten. So I used to walk up with a SV6 sports wagon with Sexpo in colour down both sides of the car and the latest dates on the back of the car. That didn't really help to start the conversation uh, with it being a religious kindergarten. Yeah. However, now I wear this to work every day. I pick up the kids. The tolerant, the acceptance is increasing exponentially week on week, month on month. People are now realising that a good sex life is good to overall. Uh, oh, life. it is a massive, massive, massive component. Yeah, I was flicking through that before. There's some interesting so, stats in there. Yeah, 2019, just before COVID, we launched the Sexual Happiness Survey, and two thirds of people say a good life, a good sex life, is good to the overall life. Oh, but I think one, yeah. the biggest stat which we had out of this, um, I mean, only f- uh, 54% of men um, feel enhancing in their sex life by having sex toys. So that shows you the massive potential in the male space to improve their sex life but the, the, i think the most compelling element for me was 25 percent said having a good sex life helps improve mental health yeah and that that just resonated I, with us yeah. hugely because it just they go the endorphins the, the the proximity the closest to your partner all these positive attributes helped your overall mental mental state. But on the other end of the spectrum, when it's not going well, the frustration, the anxiety, the fuck, like it's it's a huge it's a huge breakdown in your mental well being if you're not getting it right yeah. in the bedroom. It's massive. And even before that point, you've got to sort of unpack probably the mindset of a lot of people and blokes, particularly whose perception has been completely tarnished by porn. That is that is so how it like all the vicious so circle, and that's sort of like why this conversation's so great because it's like opening up all of those things because yeah. they all interplay. And it's about that, going down to that communication. Yeah, back to that original point from from the start. Don't recommend the new greedy girl rabbit or the pro forty. Talk, communicate, relate to each other. Say how you're feeling, and and that is the the, the first block. Of, of getting that um, positivity into your sex life because everyone has sex. It's just how much you embrace it and how much you want to be open because, I mean, we are under such an eye worry for this generation in terms of the younger generation in the, in the peer pressure. You get the peer pressure to perform all the time, etc. Oh. And therefore having more communication around this to know what is available to you. And that's that, the, Why does yeah. that start with young with young blokes like in school, young people in general like, oh, I've, you know, have you lost your V plates yet? Like, have you? What have you done? Like, no, what I have you? What have you done with a girl? You know, so far, and it's like a, a competition. I remember when I was yeah, in school, there was yeah, like a competition definitely. almost amongst, the, you know, the mates. Who's done what? You know, who's reached what? But base, that's that's that know? locker room talk thing that like I've been reading about as well at the moment, and it's sort of. But they're learning it from, from porn, right? Kids aren't getting educated properly. They're re- they're watching porn and they think that's what it is. And then what's happening is they think it's an unrealistic ex- expectation. Like blokes that were surveyed in this book were talking about, they were like, 
I don't get naked in front of my other mates because I don't think my penis is big enough, right? Because they're watching all this porn and being like, oh, that bloke's penis is massive. Baby's arm holding You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, And so there's like this, then there's, they're getting mental health and anxiety from, in, in like poor mental health and anxiety because they're- Body image they're, issues. They're going, oh my God. And I don't look like a chiseled fucking Thor person. And you know- it's really weird how, like, the way it's impacted. But so people. that is, like, because I've had a bunch of conversations, um, you know, and everyone has been just recently with the conversation yeah. we're talking about with consent um, and, you know, behaviours and how do we fix it and how do we make it better? And I'm like, well, it only st- it has to start with individuals like us amongst our own circles calling out that kind of, you know, behaviour and those, you know, that kind of talk when you hear it. And pulling them up there. It's harder for blokes, I believe, to pull up a complete random when they hear them saying misogynistic shit because, you know, a bloke might just turn around and fucking clock you. But amongst your, you know, your peers and your and your circle, it's really important for everyone to just start actually pulling people up when something is said that is misogynistic or they do disagree with because that's where it starts. And hopefully... That but kind it, of spreads. And, and, and like it, one of your strap lines being a, a conversation starter, etc. that is it. You have to start that those tough conversations on not just mental health, but in when someone is not fair, when someone is being derogatory towards another sex or uh, another sexuality, etc. Pull them up. I mean, we, we run a very, very open um, environment at work. We are complete. We have every sexuality, um, but we we focus in on be, letting people be the, the, themselves in that environment. I think we have to use that example in doing that in your own circle because it only takes one or two comments, like um, just to sp- let people spiral downwards. In if you don't, as a friend or a colleague or, or whatever, stand up for so actually no, that's that's bang out of order. And you just see the hypocrisy out of camera at the moment in the saying one thing, just not doing, doing. Yeah. Just not doing. Yeah, well, I just like, I mean, look, you know, I was at a um, a hens party on the weekend, my first ever hens party for my, to, for two, for two girlfriends who were, who were getting married together. Um, and so the hens party was full of lesbian, you know, and a, a gay dude. There were a couple of non-binary individuals there as well. And talking to them and hearing the trauma that comments you know, are made, you know, for the individuality and that have been made throughout their lives where people aren't open-minded enough to try to understand the complexities of where these people come from. Fuck, man, it's real. Like, their trauma is seriously real. And this is just one conversation, I suppose, you know, among many other conversations that we all need to be more open-minded about and more, yeah, more sort of better at approaching, at least just, you know, trying to understand people more. And again, comes back to communication, doesn't it? And, and, and acceptance. You know, yeah. just um, yeah, from, from Love Honey's perspective, um, we, we want to make that environment as rich and as, as encouraging as it, as it can be because there is so many different um, levels that, that a person will go through in their, their sexual journey. And, and that's why all of our customer service staff are educated, trained, and supported to to letting that that person go on that good customer journey to getting where they are. I think one thing which we which follows on from that is that we provide um, a very comprehensive um, employee assistance program 
So our EAPs with uh, the Career Development Centre, the Mental Well. Shout out CDC and the bloody legends CDC. out there. Yo yo, <laughs> um, Pat, Tina, um, Amy, they're all brilliant. And so everyone within Love Honey has um, a number of free consultations with them. We have uh, mental health inductions with all of our staff before they start. Um, the consulting is all f- uh, anonymous. So all I do is get the bill and I'm happily paying that every month. So if someone wants to have a session every week, they can do. If someone just have a session every quarter, not a problem. But you need to support, if they're supporting and making a positive impression on our customers, you need to support them. And I think during COVID, we went from 28 staff to over 60. It was very much my job changed from a director of driving sales, etc. We were very, very fortunate to have people buying food, alcohol and sex toys in basically that order during COVID. And it opened up the conversation, people, importance of sex toys when they were in an enclosed environment was a lot more important. My job went from driving sales to supporting our staff. And I think the best example I could have done was I I have, Tina is my counsellor, and I delayed my chat with her today on my day off. So I could come and chat to you boys. Which we really appreciate. Oh, she put us through our mental health first aid training. So, okay. you know. I did too. You're not too, you're not too far away from, uh, you know, from the end goal there. But, um, and we have mental health uh, first aid as, as well at our work. But I think that it's a really good piece for, for businesses is support your customers. Let Take them on, you know, yes, if you're a plumbing company, if you're, you know, um, if you're doing renovations or whatever, if you're a software supplier, this is going to be different. You're not going to be talking about sexual happiness to your, your software customer. However, creating the environment for your staff to be themselves and provide them services like um, CDC, etc., couldn't advocate them any higher. Well, yeah. I think going to the days in business where you can just flog off a product or you know make a quick buck without really considering you know end to end the the full impact of the industry that you're in and the product that you sell and how that affects people on a number of levels both externally to your customers but also internally to your team as well like if us for instance it's really important like we can't be a mental health social enterprise on the outside and fly the flag and not be you know incredibly considerate of that not only for our own team but through our supply chain as well you know it's just there's a responsibility there i think with business now to really take a stand and and, and make and you know, make a, a lot of noise about that sort of stuff. So, I think good on you for for you know for doing what you're doing with CDC and, and yeah. also for the conversation that we're having today. I think um, there's a point a couple of years ago where um, after the, uh, the divorce, I went through a bit of a sticky patch. Dated a girl, a supplier far younger than me. Big mistake. Fun, but big mistake. Um, and I had a bit of a tricky patch where the real people within my close community within my business they came and supported me and I was like what do I do you know at that time I had 20 staff you know I've been off for a few days you know I had a bit of a bit of a wobble what do I do and I just thought you know what you lead by example and you set the you set the level and I just sat down with them the whole business the whole warehouse customer service got them all in and said this is what's happened these are people that supported me this is what we did with CDC this is why everyone's doing it and basically use myself as an example. That is fucking outstanding. To them. That is outstanding. I had a meeting last week when Dan had, um, had gone on holidays on Wednesday and I had already scheduled this meeting, so I just rocked up there, had this chat, and, um, yeah, one of the, the guys there was pretty high up um, 
in the like in the government and he said you know what do we need to be you know doing or how can I show more vulnerability to my staff I'm like mate you just need to talk about what you've been through or what you're going through because that is a hundred percent how we're going to change this entire thing you know like this conversation today the stuff that we've talked about very few people are having these conversations. Very few, but we should be having them but more. It's always the elephant in the room. Like these are the, it's the exact topic that yeah. is always the elephant. Mental health, sex, yeah, yeah. Oh, and yeah. drugs, <laughs> drugs as well, yeah. yeah, drugs. Yeah, yeah. So like when when I did that, um, it was you know it was a couple of months of tough, 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 hey, I, tough love. You it, know, but I had two of the biggest guys who have been the most standoffish in the warehouse. That that afternoon, he came up to me and they literally gave me a hug. I went here for you mate it's just like shit if i'd known like, yeah 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 breaking down those barriers but that but that changes relationships from that point on you Does know what i mean you don't go back to how things were once you've crossed that boundary once you've broken through that glass ceiling as, as, as it were it doesn't you don't go back you know i think it creates a whole new understanding a whole new level of connectedness and communication it's communicate inspire, educate inspire i've got one i this will be it. Here we go. Here we, no, no, no. Early. Well, I'm just trying to figure it like, because the, what we're talking about before, like misogyny and stuff like that and the culture that we've got and the locker room talk and all that sort of stuff, like we don't want to believe that it's true, but we fuck, it is true. Like I even look back, like I've got a couple of Bucks parties coming up. There's a Bucks party coming up in like July. Group chat made, fucking, these are the strippers that are coming. Everyone's just in there going, Fuck. Like the comments are just like horrendous. You know what I mean? And like these are mates of mine. And like the thing is, I've said this shit before. Like I'm not going to say that I haven't said that sort of shit around mates before because yeah. I have. But I'm at the stage now where I'm like, I'm at that awkward point where I'm like, well, fuck, I'm not really fucking about that shit. I'm like, I'm not, I don't really like the way that that's being said. But I'm of the awkward situation now because if I say anything, they're just going to come back and say, fuck are you talking about. You've said this shit before yourself. So it's like, how do you break that cycle? You know what I mean? How do you how do you have these conversations? How do you not be the pot calling the kettle black? Hundred percent. And it's like even like this weekend, there's a, there's a um, bucks party. Like I just when the strippers come, I just don't, I just go outside. I just go outside and have a drink and just fucking let that shit play out because I'm like, just not my scene, and I just don't want to really be involved in it because it's pushing something I don't really believe in. I you think, know, I think you you can't be a man. And yeah, yeah. Right? I know. A man and go, yeah. Because as soon as one person does it, that will open hopefully the floodgates for your other mates with a similar opinion to say that, guys, let's have a great time, let's have a laugh. Yeah, yep, yeah, strippers coming, but let's be a bit more respectful, eh? Yeah, just just that one opening line should, I would hope, inspire other people to. I'd be interested to know, right? If even before these bucks parties and the strippers are being organised. Has everyone been like, yeah, righto, we all want to get a stripper, or is it just like whoever's yeah, organising or is it just, saying, yeah, we're getting just, one because that's the done thing, and everyone's like, all right, this is what we do. I 100% believe, like, because my, my Bucks party, we just went up and got marooned on an island for three days, and it rained about two metres of fucking rain. But there was there was never, because I was just like not organising strippers. I, I never said that, but I just, I just organised it and just didn't, have any right and it was only like one mate that was like fuck are we getting any strippers over here or what it was like one person asked that of the 14 that went and i'm like well maybe there's something to that you know what i mean like maybe there is like well, maybe that everyone's not really wanting this to happen or expecting this to happen it's just yeah. sort of this thing that's been built into our culture because mate fuck i know very few women of like of, of partners that have are getting married 
um, that are fuck uh, that are for it. Very fucking few. Yeah, yeah. It's a hard, it's a hard one to see because I've been to Bucks parties, I've seen strippers at Bucks parties before, and I've been fucking disgusted by some of the things that I've seen. Like, you know what I mean? It's oh not, yeah. And and the level of degradation that sort of occurs for you know for what we perceive to be entertainment, but we're too fucking stupid to tap into a little bit deeper and challenge the the status quo. There's not a single bloke that <laughs> sit around there and be like, I'm, I'd I'd happily let my daughter or my okay. wife or my um. You know, my sister do that. Not fucking one. But it, it just it just takes the first person, uh, just the first person to say, "Hang on, yeah, have a bit of fun, but be respectful," and that and that sets the level. Yeah, um, I think one other area which which we as love hunters which we're doing is about um, in diverse, uh, diversity and inclusion, um, about disability community as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, one talk about massive this. part. Yeah, yeah, we. Um, we uh, got introduced to uh, a great company called That's Handy, uh, H-A-N-D-I, and they are all about, um, in fact, I have their book here. There you go. So, uh, Love, lust, and disability. About conversation. About conversation, again, education and inspiration about um, uh, Heather and her brother who is paraplegic. Um, uh, he um, is gay and in a wheelchair all of his life but he has to hire sex workers to have any sexual fulfillment and this is 50 stories from around the world of people with disabilities on their great sex stories their difficulties and their horrific nightmares yeah sex stories about how people relate to them how people do or don't communicate with them and this whole book where 100 percent of the revenue not not just a profit but everything we we ship it for free we sell it and 100% of the money goes back to Handy to raise awareness. But with the goal at the end of it is we're actually trying to make uh, a unique adult toy for people uh, with disabilities. So it's like, a, they call it a joystick and it's going to be hopefully pressure uh, or voice activated. So you can activate the, the products in the middle and this joystick's moulds around your body. So when we say we're sexual happiness people, we want to make a fun of a fitting sex life to everyone. Yeah. This includes disabilities. Yeah. And it wasn't a question when we did this of this is a good idea or bad idea. This is why haven't we done this? Mm. You know, and this is about communication yet again. It's about people with disabilities want to have sex as well. Oh, yeah, mate. of course. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, like, yeah. And and we were talking about um you mentioned Chantel Orton. You know, recently, of course, she's going. She's are they engaged? To, is she engaged to Dylan Alcott? They're just going out. They're just dated for the last couple. They of They seem years. to be a fantastic couple. They, uh, Dill, Dill's amazing. Uh, when Jack had his first knee operation, Dill rang him and was like, You're "Right, mate, how you doing? Keep it up. You'll get it." Because I didn't realize the difficulties when Jack had his knee reconstruction. How hard it is just to move around anywhere. I mean, he had both knees operated at the same time, so he's immobilised. But just, just literally weeding your, your wheelchair into a house, into a toilet, oh, shopping centre. Who was that, per- that lady we met? Fuck, it be three years ago now. The, remember she was at um, uh, where Little Tokyo 2 used oh, to be? Yeah. Um, um, and she was going and talking to the government. Because basically, yeah, exactly what you're talking about, even um, the like council-built... Um, infrastructure and stuff in Australia 
is not wheelchair accessible, majority of it. It's sort of like the way things are built. Like there might be one or two stairs somewhere and there's no ramp. And You know, it's yeah. just like pe- people that are able-bodied never think fucking twice about it, probably never even thought about it at all. Um, and, yeah, it's a major issue, isn't it, for, for people that can't well, get around easily. Hand, Handy's research shows that 63% of the able-bodied community will become disabled at some stage in their life, whether it's hand or... Legs, feet, whatever. Sixty-three percent. So that include so, things like arthritis yeah. and like losing the full function of you know exactly. your exactly. Yep, yep. So, so not only is this a good cause, this is the right thing to do, but yeah, wow. this is good business. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you want to um, you want to really um, encourage that communication that people with disabilities can have a fun and fulfilling sex. I life. love the fact that it's a pair of leopard leopard print knickers <laughs> hanging off the joystick Absolutely. of an electric wheelchair like, that's <laughs> and, fucking great and uh, andrew who's a co-founder um he's from canada he posts so much cool stuff on, on insta but what we're doing following up from this is um with dylan we're about to announce next week uh, with dylan um orcott foundation we at the moment um employ through remove the barrier um around about 12% of our workforce with disabilities, and we're going to try and get up to 25% in the next 12 months. And that's just a goal. It's very hard to get um, work with agencies to allow them to come and work in adult retail. So what we've gone to charities and gone, right, we want some guys from warehouse, some girls from warehouse, some customer service, and like, no, 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 we wouldn't allow them to work for you. Who the hell are you to say that you're... Your Why is it your choice? Yeah, it's their choice. <laughs> yeah, you know, and yeah. they're like, oh, but you know, what would people think? But what if we yeah. good? Think they'll think positively. They'll be thinking about it, and that's yeah. the fucking point. It's like thinking and communicating. Yeah. So we've um, what we've done is um, we're launching next week with the Dylan Alcott Foundation, uh, the Love Honey um, Sexual Happiness Grants. So we're going to give ten thousand dollars in the next uh, calendar year to support people getting into the section wellness industry. So whether that's university courses, uh, equipment, uh, plus Chantel's going to be mon- uh, mentoring them with Dylan and uh, we'll do job placements at Love Honey and with Chantel, etc. So about improving the conversation and, and setting level setting example yeah that's amazing mate this yeah. is really cool i've just noticed that red light started flashing so uh you oh, know it started we, flashing. We, we we uh i was gonna dive into um some stuff about 50 shades of gray because that was we've it. actually got this meeting we've yeah we've got a wrapper up but this unfortunately this, this great conversation like it's really one really that impressive. we will be having again at some stage for sure because well, it's going to be <laughs> Masturbation may soon. I bought you guys in some <laughs> stuff. So Fifty Shades of Grey. Holy, holy moly. Have a look at that rabbit. You were saying that's the most sold that's toy? What, that's our number one selling rabbit. Wild Weekend Kit. That's our biggest selling kit. Lord. Beginner friendly. There you go. And the Wild um, Weekend Kit. Holy shit. Look at those anal beads. These are <laughs> brand new. Um, <laughs> This is a new technology called Pulsating Air Technology, which is a Pro 40. They're popular, aren't they? Yeah, very popular. Um, yeah, all sorts of fun stuff in here, isn't there? And then for blokes, for masturbation, mate, we have our blow motion range, which is uh, these oh, warming oh. Uh, masturbators, vibrating masturbators for, for, for blokes. Have a go at that. Blow Jeez. motion. <laughs> there you go. I wonder what no, that means. It actually uh, heats up 
Um, to oh. the correct, um, that is unbelievable. To a maximum temperature of 40 degrees. There you go. Jeez, you'd cook a chook in that. I reckon there's been a few cook chooks in that. <laughs> <laughs> and as for those uh, cars we're talking about, we're, re- we're flexi. Mate, wow. Fantastic. Yeah, that's oh, awesome. mate, we might so have to give, we so have to give some of this stuff away to our listeners from this podcast. Absolutely. Be. You yeah. can uh, give away to the uh, trademark team and uh, anyone wants to drop in an Instagram to, to your pace. And yeah, 100%. Mate, that's so much. Details. Really Lovely. appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a... Um, been a really interesting chat today. Far out. We've, we've covered some stuff. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm actually disappointed that we have to wrap it I up. I know. I'm, I am disappointed too. Um, but I cannot let this bloke down again. I've no, delayed no, it twice no, before. No, 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 no. Um, but, yeah, mate, thanks so much. And, I mean, um, love to chat further too about how we can sort of like collaborate in regards to content because I'm sure you'd be putting out lots of like sexual health content yeah. that we would love to be able to push through to our um, listeners as well um, and, our, and our community. So... Um, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely more conversations to be had. Um, between we, we would love to. We did a, a design oh, for some workwear with um, vibrators, butt plugs. <laughs> G- oh, that G- is fantastic. I brought one in for butt you. Butt plugs, rabbits, so cock we, rings. We would like to combine your clothing with this yeah, for yeah. Men's Health Week. Yeah, in in, in June. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or Men's Health Month. That's and, brilliant. And so the girls love wearing that in in the warehouse. That's wild, yeah. All right, we'll chat to them. We can chat to the team. I just want to say to you guys from Love Honey, do a freaking awesome job. How you start that conversation is amazing. And I'm uh, very proud to be here and, and support you guys in, in what you're doing. Really appreciate Bobsy, it. Well, we um, appreciate it, this mate. Might be the, yeah, this is only the beginning. There's tip, a lot to Tip be of had. the iceberg, isn't it? Because we get into a mental health conversation here and it's like, wow, it's not a small topic. There are a number, a huge ocean of topics to talk about around that. And this is a massive part of it, what we've talked about today. Absolutely. The more just, again, communicate, educate, inspire. Absolutely. This is great. Rob, thanks so much. Oh, how can people get in contact? How can people find Uh, you? Lovehoney.com.au, lovehoney.au on our socials. um, And just grab your mate, talk, have a chat with them, be there for them, talk about their sex lives. Might be embarrassing to start off with, but after five minutes and maybe... A little Pinot Grigier, it will uh, open, open up. up. And, and, awesome. um, and pass our regards on to Tina and um, Amy and Pat and the crew over at yeah, CDC. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'll be yeah. chatting to them this afternoon <laughs> about uh, my mental health. So uh, Awesome. Yeah. Good man. Good on you, Bobby. Thanks, Thanks so, so much. much, mate. Pleasure. That was awesome. If I stop, I'll die. <laughs>